The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 47, Educational Happiness with Robert Dunlop. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Kyle, what is up, my friend? How are we doing, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. It is another episode of the Beer EDU Podcast. This is episode 047. 47. Today. Yes, we're, getting, we're creeping closer to that 50 mark. Yes, we are. So, and uh, it's really crazy. It feels like it, this has really gone quickly. So, it, we, yes. like we got that we got started a little bit slow with the episodes, but now all of a sudden, yep. like we're just we we have that groove, and I just <laughs> I can't believe we're forty seven deep already. I know that's crazy. So, I guess we should start with I'm Ben Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at b dixon nv, and you, my friend. I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech. Anderson EdTech on Instagram and AndersonEdTech.net is my website slash blog. And then uh, we get we drink beer on this show, Ben. So yes, what yes, do you got do. Uh, for today's recording? Okay. I, you know what, I'm going to carry on the tradition. When I was looking at like when I was looking at the show notes for the last shows, at what <laughs> what beer I'm carrying on the lead dog tradition. So we've done lead dog local brewer quite a bit, and I did their peanut butter stout. Had a can of that. Uh, last night I had a, I have several cans of that. I found out. So I had a can of that and, uh, that is a solid stout. I mean, not super, super strong, but I mean, it's a 6.7 ABV 25 IBU, but really not, um, not what I was expecting. I mean, I've had some other, the belching beaver peanut butter stout and some other ones, but this one was pretty smooth. It wasn't like overpowering or anything like that. No, I really enjoyed that one, and I actually, when I went to Fall Q, I took a four-pack of that with me to give to Tom Covington, friend of the show, former guest, because he was right. talking about how much he enjoyed the Belgian Beaver one, and I told him right. that I thought the Lead Dog one was better, and he basically said, mm -hmm. challenge accepted, so I took him a four-pack, and then I'm happy to report that he got back to me and said that he definitely enjoyed that Lead Dog one. So um, I, I do. I think it's better. I do too. I and the reason I think it's better is because it's not as overpowering on the peanut butter, right. and then right. it's not nearly as viscous as the Belching Beaver one. That that Belching Beaver one can be very thick on the mouthfeel, and this one is a little thinner. I'm not saying this is a 95 degree lawnmower beer by any means, no, but no, no, it's definitely a little bit more, as we like to say, crushable than yeah. some of the other ones that are out there. Yeah, some of those stouts, I've noticed stouts sometimes on the back end of them can have that, that that I don't know what it is. It's like a tartness or something. I, it's hard for me to figure out. It didn't have that. It was just smooth all the way through. Yeah, that is a very good one. But um, kind of piggybacking that then, so I'll just yeah, go into got? I got um, another brewer that we've mentioned a few times on yes. the podcast, not nearly as much as Lead Dog, but uh, Samuel Smith out of uh, the United Kingdom. I found a bottle of their Imperial Stout. And it is nice. 7%. It is 35 IBU. Um, this one is definitely a little bit thicker and more viscous than your lead dog peanut butter stout. Um, but this is just a standard, straight-up British-style stout. Just, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, 7%, so a little bit higher on the ABV. Um, got a nice little sweetness on the front end. And in the back, um, they did a really good job with their bittering hops. And uh, there's a little bit of bittering on top of the chocolate and the coffee that it gives you. So it's just a solid beer. And uh, I actually, I posted on Instagram through our beer EDU account, mm -hmm. a photo of it. And then we got a comment from, from a, one of our followers saying that that's a good one, but also to look out for the Taddy Porter, which I've also had the Taddy oh. Porter before. And he commented back saying that I have exquisite taste. So I don't know oh, if I'd go, go that far, good but, job. um, but, um, no, but I want to, uh, thank Shay for, uh, throwing that one out there Perfect. for us there. Awesome. So, but, um, and we also have a guest today, yes. like we normally do. So coming at us from three time zones away to join the podcast, mm -hmm. let us welcome Robert Dunlop to the show. Robert, how you doing? 
I'm amazing. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys are making me thirsty talking about all this <laughs> peanut butter beer, man. I got to get in on that one. Oh, definitely. No, it's um, it's something that kind of weirded me out the first time I ever heard about yeah. it. But um, I also love peanut anything peanut butter, so it it worked out. And now that's definitely one of the styles I love to find. I would oh, prefer yeah. it for dessert than something else. So that's that's what my, that's my go to. So, but Robert, what do you what do you have? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Niagara's Oast House. It's also a local brew. Uh, it's actually a buddy of mine's beer company, and they uh, they sprung nice. it up in Niagara on the Lake. And if you go into Niagara on the Lake from, like, say you're in Toronto, go Niagara on the Lake. It's a big, huge red barn right cool. on the side of the road, and it's uh, yeah, it's an amazing beer. What I I love the I have the barn raiser right here, which is like it's a little bit hoppy, um, mm-hmm. but not too much. That's what I like. And then, but the best thing is, is when you go there, they have all sorts of seasonal beers. So they had strawberry rhubarb in the summer, Whoa. and now they've just went into pumpkin beer. And it's like fresh out the tap. You can leave with a growler. My wife oh, loves cool. it. It's like, that's our date night location. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah good stuff right there. Especially um, when, you, when you get the wife involved on that too. Uh, both, <laughs> ben and I are both lucky. We have uh, spouses that... Well, Ben, your wife is not as much on the beer she, as my she, wife. Yeah, she'll but, drink a little bit of beer. Yeah, yeah. But still, at least they like to go with us to the breweries we when go. we go. That's true. That yeah, is very yeah. true. Yeah, it's a good couple interaction. We there also we play go. hockey together, too. So Ooh. we got hockey and beer in common. So that's <laughs> uh, that's what's going to keep us together for sure. Now, I wish I could get the right. wife to play hockey with me. So, But then again, <laughs> right now, I'm not able to play hockey because the nearest rink is an hour away. So, which Yeah, we don't have one. Which tells you, considering where we're at, northern Nevada, and where you're at, I'm sure you could probably throw a stone and hit about three hockey rinks there in southern Ontario. Oh, they're everywhere. So. And my wife played university hockey, so she's really good Whoa. at it, and I am horrible. So all, all the guys on the team laugh at me the whole time. Kind of a interesting <laughs> event. Hey, nothing wrong with that. At least you're out there doing it. Exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, so yeah, go ahead, yeah, Ben. Yeah, so I, I think we're gonna ask the same question. So, like, who is Robert Dunlop? Like, tell us, tell us about, you know, about you, what you're passionate about, like, what's your, what's your jam, what's your thing. Well, obviously, I'm an educator. I, I love teaching. Uh, I came into education in a different kind of way. I was uh, coming out of university. I got a job as a personal trainer around the world. So, I, I trained wow. a millionaire all over the world, and I was living like the high life. And uh, you know what? It was awesome, but it just wasn't fulfilling and mm. uh i needed to come back to something and i gave up a pretty spectacular gig so i said when i come into this profession and teaching i'm gonna i'm gonna make the most out of it and i'm just gonna mm. i'm gonna do everything i can to have the greatest impact and uh yeah i i, I have done that i feel like I, i've worked really hard and did but then i you know 10 12 13 years into it it started to get a little tougher right and mm. um long story short I was struggling at one point and I was playing like the idea of going ed tech company or I, I think I just got a little far removed from being with kids and things and mm-hmm. I got my head in the wrong space. So, and then, uh, so my passion now over the last four years has been looking at the idea of happiness and education and how to maintain that and how to maintain my love of teaching, how to maintain just wanting to go to work every day. And, uh, yeah, so it was crazy because going down this path, it's uh, it's really helped me out. That's great for to hear you say that because, especially if you're on Twitter at all, which uh, all three of us are, and and a lot of educators are on Twitter. But there's this whole, and I, I wrote a blog post about it a while back as well. But there's this whole like rainbows and unicorns mantra that I like to call it on Twitter where. Everything is always so positive and everything is that. And if you're not that super positive, everything's great. I can't wait to get to work kind of attitude that you're just not a good teacher. And I and that's not true. And even the best of teachers have bad days and are unhappy at times. And you you could you could be making a huge impact on students, but be absolutely miserable where you're at, depending on your situation and I th- and I said in my blog post that we need to celebrate the misses as often as we celebrate the the great things that are happening too. And it sounds like that's something that you're trying to do while encouraging happiness in people's professions as well. For sure. Like, uh, I what ended up happening to me is when I decided one day to write a book. It's actually I'll tell you it's it's actually a pretty interesting story how I ended up doing this is uh, I went into a school one day and. 
I I'd got an email. I was doing like the technology consultant thing, and I got an email from this lady. And by the by the tone of the email, I thought she was this new up and coming teacher looking to make a difference in the world. Like I was pitching her young twenties. Well, I get in there, and she's like. 28 years into education and she's got this amazing energy pep like loves kids loves learning loves students and uh i remember leaving there going like man like i, I later remember where exactly where i was when i pointed down over my steering wheel saying that is what i want to be when i hit um 28 years into education and i wasn't there at the point and then what ended up happening is like a week later i'd been asked to speak at a university and i'd never done anything like this before and when i was speaking to them on how to engage students in learning I remember just being like I had this epiphany this like almost second thought going on while I was talking I was like this isn't what I should be talking to them about I should be talking to them about the idea of how did they engage themselves in education and because I'd been I would been going through this turbulence and saying like you know how do I how do I get out of these ruts I'm in how like and that, that was what was I was struggling with is I'd get in these pockets where I was unhappy and I'm like and I think it's 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 okay to be in those pockets but it's not okay to stay in those pockets we got to make those changes so the weirdest part of the whole story is the, the next day I woke up and I sprung out of bed like I literally at five I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not a morning person I like sprung out of bed to the point that like something looked like it was wrong with me and I ran downstairs and I started typing up this like outline of a book and like 45 minutes later my wife comes down I, I have no idea why it takes you 45 minutes when someone jumps out of bed like this but whatever she comes running down there and um she says to me what are you doing I said I'm gonna write a book she goes Rob you've never read a book and I said yeah, <laughs> yeah true enough I haven't and I hadn't at the time and um she says explain this to me and I said I got the whole thing in my head but the book I actually had in my head when she looked at my screen I had 14 chapters laid out perfectly and it was on actually motivation and education like how do you stay mm. motivated and so i wrote that book in four months and then i threw it out to some publishers got rejected a couple times but then i realized i'd wrote it on the wrong topic it's like mm. it wasn't so much about being motivated that i was intrigued by with um this teacher wendy blinsky it was the idea of how she still loved going to work and how and how she went through the same ups and downs and leadership and administration and pressures as every other teacher yet she was able to um come out on top and really love her job and so that kind of made me i threw out my book on motivation and education just rid it off as a as a practice uh, mm -hmm. a, a lot of practice and then uh, i spent the next three years living out just happiness and trying to figure out how to make myself happier and in doing that I was able to talk to a ton of educators, present, uh, really tap into teachers and figure out what's making them happy. And I was able to assimilate it into a book. So super excited. I'm publishing that with Edumatch right now, coming out early 2020. Awesome. Well, and I think I think it's super timely right now because we talk a lot about um, in education, the SEL competencies with students and things. And then I think about staff, like how do we how do we ensure that people are like you said motivated or happy want to come to work but also just just dealing with the pressures of being an educator right now it's a totally different world that's my number one thing i'm going at right like i'm telling you right now that's where i'm going with this is i'm going with this is if we want if we want to support these students with mental health needs and well-being we need to support our teachers like if, if you can't you can't support people who are struggling if you're struggling worse than they are and there's a ton of pressure in education and it mm -hmm. it seems to get more and more complicated and there, there seems to be more moving pieces all the time so it's just like i really feel that we as a system need to step up and and make sure mental health is something and well-being something that we work with our teachers and not just in this like top level <laughs> like mm -hmm. hey we we put some stick it notes on a wall in a staff meeting one time right. a year like it's right. not enough like simon cynics has this amazing um talk he has where he says you know the problem is we, we attack things with intensity not consistency mm -hmm. and it's so important he says you know you don't go to the gym um one time and look in the mirror and go like oh look how big i am or whatever like or how good a shape i am it's that we need to look at this with consistency and it needs to be part of a belief and that mm -hmm. belief needs to build into everything we do but my book is more about to be honest is like the system pieces i i'm trying to focus on things i have control over right. not things that right. the system controls because i could talk all i want to the system but 
and get nowhere. So mm -hmm. my book is actually focused on the research around um, positive psychology. And the one piece is, is that um, they say that happiness, 50% of our happiness is determined by genetics. 10% is determined by circumstance and 40% is determined by the choices we make. So my book mm. is about as educators, how do we harness our 40%? How do we, mm. what decisions can we make that will allow us to be happier? How do we, how do we play that out? And so that's what the book's about. And, and I've done it myself. I've been living it. It's, and it's not perfect. It's not like every day I'm super happy, but I'm substantially happier based on decisions I'm making and not letting circumstance just take over. That's a very interesting. I, I've never thought of it that way, um, the, especially the genetics part of it. So I, I find it, I, I'm not saying hard to believe, but I just, I find it really intriguing that so much of one's happiness is based on the genetic part now. But, but now that you mentioned that, I, I'm starting to see a little bit of a connection because those that have been diagnosed with depression oftentimes have a parent, at least one parent or other family members that have been diagnosed with depression as well. So I can kind of see that connection now as well. But um, but that you're right, that whole 40 percent part, what making the choices, that's the thing I think teachers or just people in general struggle with the most. And a lot of times it's because educators, especially we have a hard time saying no to things you know, right. because we want to do what's best for our students and oftentimes don't think about ourselves. So mm -hmm. we start trying to do everything without any regard to what is best for ourselves. And uh, I struggle with this. I have a hard time saying no myself. Uh, and I've been better about it in the past couple of years, but there was a period where I was just completely stretched thin as a result of not being able to say no, but I've taken some steps as of late to try to remedy some of that. So um, is that something that you see with other educators around you, or is that something that you've mentioned in your book or it's part of your research then? Oh, hundred percent. Like, so here's an interesting thing about writing this book. So like when you write a book, I don't know where I'm going. I'm not, this isn't what I do. I'm an, I'm an educator. Mm -hmm. I, I love being in the classroom. So I'm not, I'm not a, per se an author. It's so, but I got all these ideas going. And so I go to write my book and my book's called strive and it's mm. an acronym for students, team routines, innovate, um, viability and extraordinary. So I'm writing this book and like the student chapters on like how to harness more happiness through students is like say 20 pages total. Then the team is 20 pages total. Then I get to routines. It's a hundred pages. I could like I thought it was going to go like 20, 20, 20, 20. Right. It goes 20, 20, 100, 20, 20. Wow. And the reason why is because what I through my research or through whatever thing I was doing is I was like, man, it is it is our day to day choices, habits, routines that really um, control how we feel. And, mm -hmm. you know, just like you're saying, like one of the chapters within routines is on self-care. And um, I think you're totally right. I think teachers struggle a ton with self-care because we're givers, right? We're in this profession because right. we're givers. But in the book, it kind of talks, and I kind of took a page out of Bernays Brown about, you know, giving permission, giving yourself permission. I had, I had a crazy situation once where we run a leadership camp for teachers who don't want to be admin, but want to, want to, you know, you know, be, um, be leaders in the system. Right. And so we do this and, uh, we bring in a social worker who works with a ton of educators married to an educator. And he goes off on all these self-care things and I'm watching it thinking it's pretty standard stuff, right? It's sleeping, eating, drinking, like it's all these moderation it's like it's exactly what you would think he was going to talk about and so at the end i pulled this group and i say was that valuable and two things came out of the conversation which and one blew my mind is and i never thought of this is the first thing that came out is we need a reminder for self-care we just need to like we need to, it needs to be in the forefront of our brain but then the second part this guy steps up and says you know what i think i just needed permission to take care of myself and i'm like that right there is it is that we don't give ourselves permission. We And if we don't give ourselves permission, we're not going to invest in it. So part of those um, like self-care routines are just allowing yourself and valuing yourself with the understanding that you will be better at what you do if you engage in that. Well, I think that this kind of it comes down from the top and the, and the best schools and the schools where the educators are the happiest yeah, that's what your leaders are doing is giving that permission. And it may not be explicitly 
hey, you need to go get some more sleep this weekend, or hey, why don't you go out and go on a hike this weekend? It's it's not anything explicit like that. It's more of just little things. Like I remember working at a school one time where on a Friday, every now and then, the principal or assistant principal would come on the intercom at the end of the day, right after the bell had rang and all the students have left and say things like, if you have obligations in the community you must take care of, you are free to go and do so. And that was code for go get a beer or go home, (laughs) go pick up your kids, do whatever you got to do. Rather than having to stay until that contracted time, 45 minutes later, (laughs) doing whatever it may be. Because some people, especially on that Friday, they're not really doing anything anyway. They're just standing in the hallway, chatting with each other, killing that time to, you know, meet that contracted time or whatever. So I remember I, I was in a really good place working at that school. And it was because I was getting permission every now and then, again, not in an explicit way, for that self-care piece that you were speaking right. of. I, I will say that my parking lot has been paved maybe five times. I just made it at that. <laughs> yeah. Parking lot's being paved. You need to leave. Yeah, exactly. I Get like that. Get your car out of the parking lot. Well, and you know, the other thing beyond them giving you permission is like you authentically know they care about you, right? Like uh, I love administrators who are watching and seeing you get caught up or, or overload yourself and then pull you aside and say to you, you know what, like you might need to step back from a couple of things, not, hey, we got a couple more initiatives you can do. Um, because I, I sometimes see that in education. You get people who are super motivated or people who don't want to say no. And it's just like, let's just load that up. Let's just see how much weight that can take before it snaps, right? And it's just like, that we can't be looking at it like that. We need to be looking at those people and think like those could be future leaders but we need to ensure that they have some type of like balance in their lives between you know work and life and all that right so I I think it's super interesting and I think more and more I'm seeing it that it's becoming a topic that people are talking about self-care so I think it's important well and then opposite end of the spectrum if you are a leader I think leaders need to realize too sometimes when they are stretching some of their best out because there's there's that old uh, mantra where if you're successful in doing something, your your reward for that is more responsibility. Where a lot of times, if you if you increase student test scores with a group of students in your class, what does that mean? Not a pat on the back, not a um, hey, share what you're doing with others. No, let's give you more students that are struggling on these things so you can work with them. So leaders, I think, need to realize that they're stretching people too thin and they're responsible for some of that detrimental uh, behavior um, in regards to individual self-care as well. So if leaders can realize that they're sometimes stretching people like that too, I think things will be a lot better. For sure. And you tapped on something that like, that I like with leadership that I think is so important is that recognition piece. Like when you do any of the research or read books on this kind of stuff, it's like, I think people underestimate the the value of recognition. Like that's really the best payment you can give an educator, you can give a student, right? It's just actually simply recognize that. In the book I write about, um, I, so I went, I, I basically have lived out all different things. So I'll find something, I'll live it for a month and I'll try it. So I remember living out um, random acts of kindness, right? And I'm like, it's awesome. Like when you do it, kindness has the most acute effect on your happiness in the moment. No doubt you nail it feel awesome right but here's the deal when i was doing it what i noticed was my completion rate was really low right so i would i would meet you guys and i'd be like oh you know what i'm gonna do something kind for them i'm gonna go try and find a peanut butter beer somewhere from like okanagan or something and i'm gonna send them that but the problem is is i found there was too many steps and too many things that would interfere and i would never actually I would i would only get to like 10 percent of the random acts of kindnesses that would pop in my head so I ended up doing this thing that I didn't have a label for until, you know, when you get a book, you have to label things a bit. And uh, I call it random acts of recognition now. And for me, what it is, is I act on authentic thoughts about people the quickest way possible in the simplest way possible just to get them done. And it has had a massive impact. So, for instance, if three weeks from now I'm sitting having a beer up in Niagara on the Lake and I think of you guys, Instead of just thinking, man, those guys are really good at what they do, I will send you an email. You guys are really good at what you do on the spot, in the moment. And you know what? It's had a huge impact because I find that I'm recognizing all these great things that are happening. So, A, I'm focused on picking those out. 
But also what I'm doing is I'm, I'm connecting with building those relationships with other people. Whereas um, I think that's what happens a lot of times. Like I'd be, I used to go to a lot of presentations for my job and I'd watch an amazing presenter. And at the end, I'd kind of just nod at them and walk out. And ever since I've thought of this, I, I literally will walk up and, and tell them explicitly what it is. And I, I, I was at a conference one time and I walked up to this lady and I said, you just blew my mind with this thing. It was authentic thought acted on the moment. She starts bawling. And I'm like, oh, so I don't know what to do. I'm not very, I'm not a hugger either. So it was like kind of awkward hug. Like I didn't know what to do. She's messy tears everywhere. And I said like, what was, what's this about? She goes, I've been working so hard on this and nobody's ever said anything. And I'm like, man, like, how can that happen? Like, how can that happen in education? You're surrounded by all these educators and administrators, and you're doing this really awesome thing. But you know why? Is because people think it, but they don't say it. So I've just committed to any time I get a positive thought about someone, whether it's text, email, Twitter, I don't care what it is, I just zip it off in the moment. And uh, it's been uh, it's definitely been the best thing I've done for building relationships in the last two, three years. Well, and I, I think you're spot on with that. And as, as a new building administrator in a brand new building with with a whole group of teachers that you know don't know me and we're building relationships and those things and i'd like and i didn't think of this idea i clearly stole it from somebody else but at the end of the day so you know you do the normal principal thing you do the morning announcements blah 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 this is what we're doing but i always try to do at the end of the day i do shout outs so i go back and i talk about what kids are doing like i thank specific kids for what they're doing and then i thank my teachers for what they're doing like I saw this awesome activity in Miss Smith's class. They were doing this, this, and this, and that's going to help kids become better readers. And I make sure I do it five minutes before the bell ring because I know I have a ton of parents out there. Because I think that's that's the thing I think teachers miss is that recognition from not just from their administrator but their peers but to the general public because they do. They work crazy hard. And I can't give them any more money. I can't. I, I'm not in charge of that stuff. Well, it's and, simple. Oh, sorry, go. I'm, oh, I was going to say, um, and to kind of piggyback that, you know, Ben, you're talking about recognizing your teachers. Uh, recently, the quarter ended at the school where I work at, and the, uh, one of our assistant principals went through and d- ran a report to see which students were failing classes at the quarter mark, and then put together a list to put in all of our mailbox. Say these are the students that, as of the end of the quarter, are failing. Rather than just saying, like, here's your failing students, now you need to call home and make sure that you're contacting parents. The first thing that was in that uh, that message, the top paragraph was, you work so hard, you're doing amazing work, we appreciate everything you do. It was four sentences of recognizing the things that we're doing before going into now here's the bad part. We have these students that are failing. We need to work with the parents and talk to them about improving these scores so then at semester we don't have these students that are failing more. And they very easily could have just said, here, now you got to call parents on this. But the fact that they went out of their way to write not just a sentence but an entire paragraph of positive, that that made me motivated to get it done right then and there. Whereas if I was just given that list – they say get it done by this date. Guess what? I'm probably going to wait until the last minute. But because of the positive aspect of it, I got it done like the moment that was in my hand. I went and sat down and spent two hours contacting parents and getting it done. Exactly. Like it's 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 simple leadership 101, right? And what what I have through all my um, like meetings with teachers, because what I do is like if I run conferences, I basically say I'll talk to anybody who wants to talk about happiness and education. And I really listen and I, I make notes and stuff. And Here's an interesting thing that I found out about teachers. I thought it was just me is I have a little box of all the sticky notes or little notes that principals have ever given me that, and it's crazy. I have no other sticky notes. I don't keep anything else, but I have a little box in my desk that said that a principal put it on my thing saying, uh, you were awesome today. Thanks for coaching. I have all of them. And it just shows you, it's just like, it means so much. Like at the end of, I don't need all these, I don't need more time. I don't need anything. I just need them to know. I just need mm-hmm. someone to say, hey, you're doing a great job, right? And it's, it's that, that simple thing, but it's not that, um, I, I think what we got to watch is in education is it's, it's not this every one shoe fits all kind of thing. Like I remember, I remember going to my um, cubby locker, you know, where they get the mailbox, and I got a card from my admin. I open it up, says how valuable I am, blah, 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 blah. I read it, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then I look, and I see every mailbox has a card. And then I see, like, a teacher mm-hmm. who really is, like, not trying hard, like, 
kind of burnt out teacher pulled out his and he's smiling and he's got the same letter I got. And it was just like, that's why I think like when I talk, when I talk the random acts of recognition, it's random ties into the fact it's authentic. If it's prescribed, I think, you know, I've presented at like conferences with admin and, and, you know, the feeling I get is they're like, yeah, I need to recognize more. So I'm going to get my staff list out and I'm going to go down that list and make check marks. And it's like, well, that's not authentic. And it's even if it's different, even if every single way you do it's different, it's it's about people need to really feel that there's a authenticity in what you're saying. You're not just saying it because you're like, well, our school needs more social emotional care, and our, like that can't be the reason. The reason's got to be is I authentically appreciate you. Or and I I love the fact when you do those shout outs at the end of the day, you're you're shouting out students. It's it's not just staff that need it, and I think it need it too. I think educators got to realize is they can't look to their administrator to do everything like this. Like it's it like teachers can recognize teachers, right? Students can recognize teachers. Teachers can recognize parents. Parents there, there's, it's not a one way channel. Sometimes I think it's like, well, my, my administrator doesn't recognize me. Well, have you recognized something they've done or have you recognized something another teacher's done or, you know, and I think, that is more so what we need in education is then that's why I talk about that 40% is like the, the thing is when you recognize someone else, it impacts your own happiness. It makes you feel great because when you look at part of happiness is the idea of anticipation, right? That's why trips um, help you with happiness because you're anticipating something coming. Well, so does recognition. So if I was to send you guys a really nice text right now. I'm anticipating you're going to get it. I'm anticipating you're going to feel great about what you did. I'm anticipating a return on that. And you saying, you know, either thank you, you made my day, I was having a rough day, or, you know, maybe you say something nice back. But, like, there's all of these moments, like, just lining up. So if you line with, if you line your day with the idea of I'm going to take control over recognition, kindness, gratitude, and these small consistent patterns that are, they're popping up all over the place. Every time you're doing that, chemically, your body is feeling that happiness every single time, right? I just think it's about consistently building it in and not waiting for the right administrator to do it. I think it's about, for educators, it, you know what? The right administrator makes it so much easier, but we can still control a lot of it on our own. And I think that's what I've learned over the last four years. Well, well I think, yeah, sorry. I I just, that is like spot on. I think we, we don't celebrate each other enough. We wait for someone else to do it. Exactly. Right. And like, you just gotta be that leader in that. Right. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's so fulfilling. It's unbelievably, I had a crazy story. I was at a board meeting and I was mentoring a student that was becoming a teacher. I had, I had a grade eight student eventually become a teacher. And we're at this, I take him to a board meeting just to show them what these things are about. And this lady presents, this lady, Linda Chow, did this amazing thing. I never met her. I don't know who she is. And I was just like, man. And I whip out my phone and I take a picture of the screen and put it away. Like, I don't even, it's just a snapshot of the screen. I put it away. And he goes to me, what was that about? And I said, I needed her name. He said, why'd you need her name? I said, that was amazing. I got email her when I get home, right? Tell her how awesome that was. So I email her and she emails me back and she's like, Rob, I've always wanted to work with you. Could you be a part of this project? Next thing I'm tied into this project. It's like goes provincial. And the best part of the story is not where the project went or the accolades is when they, they had this plaque put up for her at Niagara Falls for Harriet Tubman. That's what it was about. And I, I got invited to it. So I go there and this lady I'd met like maybe six months before runs up and hugs me and it's like a true friendship was formed based on one random email that I decided to send versus I look at that and think, man, that lady's awesome. And I don't, and now this lady's a part of my life. I like, I, I, I like talk to her about my book. We, we do all sorts of stuff together in terms of what I'm doing now. And we visit it's friends. She makes me gifts. It's, she's such a great part of my life, but we get those relationships because we, we are the initiators of that and we're not waiting for everyone to do it to us. Right. Well, and that's the power of just the connections uh, like social media or going up to somebody after they've made a presentation at a conference you're at or whatever. So I can say that one of the reasons why this podcast exists is because of something like that is because uh, Ben and I started interacting on social media four or five years ago. And, you know, just some of the stuff Ben was putting out, I can remember, you know, thanking him for putting that stuff out and interacting with him. And then here we are now. Ben and I, well, 
at the time we lived 400 some miles apart. Now we live four miles apart and you know, we right. see each other on a regular basis and we're able to do this podcast and bring amazing people like you on all because we just made that initial interaction with each other to recognize the great work that we were doing. And the, some of my best friends in the education sphere now, that's how it started out. Tom Covington, Michael Jeffcott, Tokus Talking Tech. I met them at a conference, walked up and said, hey, I listen to the show. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Two of my best friends now, all because of just going out of my way to tell them that I enjoyed what they were doing. Yeah, and why isn't that existing in every building? We're all we're all fighting this battle together. We're, especially if you're in a, a tough school with tough issues and, and scores, or like it's like we need to unite as educators and and build each other up. And I, I think that's so important. And I think sometimes we get so busy, just like self care, we don't we don't prioritize these things. You know, um, what got me going is when I was writing my book on um, motivation, and and I started to read about motivation. I was reading like Drive and all these books. Um, I stumbled upon a book called Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor. And that is what really made me pivot from like um, talking about motivation to talking about happiness is he does this. I don't know if you've read it, but he does this thing. And, and the happiness advantage is this, is that, and I, I feel so guilty because I, I was a grade eight teacher and I would teach my kids, you know, you work hard, you work so hard, you will become successful. And when you become successful, you will basically, I'm insinuating, you will find happiness, Right. And Acor dismisses that and backs it up and says, no, no, no. What, what we need to work on is putting happiness at the forefront. So you work on being happy and finding passions. You let that drive your work and make your work built out of passions, and you will achieve a different level of success, right? You will, you will achieve success that involves being fulfilled, loving what you do, and then all the other things will come with it, right? So now I put a lot of my eggs in the basket of like, um, I'm just going to work on me and just finding happiness because I know what I was like when I was in those valleys. I know when I was in those dark spaces, how much effort I was putting in, how much, how creative I was, how inspirational, how the impact I was having. I was actually at one point, I, I I'm sad to say, I actually look back and say like, I was actually toxic. Like I was actually going and being to and, and spreading toxicity at one point. Cause I was so upset. And I'm like, you know, so now I feel like the best thing I can do for myself and everyone in education is figure out how I maintain my level of happiness, not just in, not just in education, but within my life. And then I just am letting that drive everything. And whether that be books or whether that be speaking or whether that be going back to a grade eight classroom and just loving the next 15 years in the class, it doesn't bother me. It, it really doesn't. I'm just, my whole goal is just to enjoy life right now. And that's key is that you recognized that you were toxic in moments, but you're able to get out of it. So if you can recognize those moments and get out of them quickly, that's good for everybody. But it kind of goes back, tying back to what we were talking about here a few minutes ago as well about the whole rainbows and unicorns, and how everything's positive all the time deal. So it's not. So you're doing all of these great things to spread happiness and to be happy as often as you can. But at the same time, you recognize it's not always going to be like that. And and again, I, I really think that we need to, A, recognize those moments, and B, use platforms like Twitter or Instagram or whatever to recognize those moments and say, you know what, I had a bad day today. This is what happened, but guess what? I'm going to move on from it. Exactly. You know what, you know what a great book is to read? I don't know if you... Um ever read any Spencer Johnson he's the guy who wrote who moved my cheese and it's um it's like a it's a 45 minute read and it's like he writes a right. fable and that one's all on change but he actually wrote another book and it and so these books took him I think 18 and 20 years to write what I love is we, they said why did it take you so long he says because I was living it but he writes a book called Peaks and Valleys which was instrumental for me because the book Peaks and Valleys, it's about this, um, it's a fable, so it's about this guy who lives in the valley and looks up at the peak and always, he's not really happy in the valley, so he's like, maybe it's better on the peak, and he goes up to this peak and meets this old, like, really successful man, and this guy teaches him the Peaks and Valleys approach to living life, and the Peaks and Valleys approach to living life is not that you just get to the peak and it's good, like, it, everything, like he says, you get to the peak and you got to know that you're going to end up in Peaks and Valleys, and this, this young man ends up in Peaks, and when he's on the peaks, it changes the way he sees things. He might get 
a little more conceited, a little bit more arrogant, or or loose. He changes when he's on the peak, and then it puts him back in the valley, right? And then he goes back on the peak, and then the valley, and then. But the Cole's notes of the whole book is what I think is so important about what we're talking about right now is that um, you, it's your valleys you should be most grateful for because that's where all the learning occurs like the peaks are great right like you just enjoy them but it's in if you can learn within your valley it, it those are the most important lessons and you know i think it happened with me i think like what happened with me is uh, i was having some real struggles and then i received this larger like this um accreditation or award or whatever recognition or whatever and um i think it went to my head a little like i think it's it changed the way i i perceive things and the way i was treated i wanted to be i thought i was designed to be treated a little different i don't know what so I, it, it morphed me in a little way that wasn't good and then i end up in a valley but then in that valley i learned i, I eventually realized why i got into that valley again and then i make those changes and it was interesting when i did my first ever keynote I, I, if you would have asked me on that day, what was my education going to look like? I would have said, it's going to go like this. It's, I'm just going to be happy from this point on. Three months later, I was ready to leave education completely. I hit the, the worst valley ever. I didn't see it coming. Some decisions were made. I, I, I basically, I basically snowballed it out of control myself and, and got super angry. And it's like, but in that valley, that's where I learned one of the most important lessons I learned was in that last valley I've been in is I, I my, my wife came home one day. I was super angry, by the way. Like, I was furious. Um, and I was really just spread. That's when I was spreading all that toxicity. And my wife came. And this goes over like a two-month, three-month period off the beginning of the school year. And my wife comes home and hands me a book by Sean Acor called Before Happiness. And I was like, whatever. Like, you know, you're so angry. You don't even want to hear stuff. And I was like, whatever. I'll try and read it. And in the first chapter, he talked about how subjective reality is. And I never, ever thought about it. I thought, my reality is I got screwed over. This, this, this happened. And I'm pissed. And, and then what I did from that moment on is every negative I could find, I threw into that cluster. And I just let it stew. And he, he's, in, in this book, he says that really happy, successful people are able to see multiple realities of the exact same situation. And that, like, blew my mind. Like, I, I couldn't even get my head around, like, what he meant by that. So I remember thinking about like, what do you mean there's multiple realities of every situation? And you got to understand, like I was in a really angry place and I went to bed that night with that in my head and I woke up and I looked out my back window out of my house and my eyes just welled up with tears. Like I was a, a complete mess. And what it was, was I was overwhelmed with emotion because I really, I, I was able to adjust my reality and the reality I had created was I should never have left the classroom. I, I wasted all this time. I should have been with kids. Like I, you know, there's no, I couldn't see any perk of doing what I was doing at that point. And that morning, I remember waking up, looking at the window and all of a sudden I realized the relationships that I developed, the impact I was having in the board, the incredible, like opportunities I had to travel and to, and I was starting writing a book and I was, I was really coming into my own and it just flooded me, flooded me with emotions because I just looked at the reality and the reality was that I was only looking at the worst parts of everything that was happening in my life. If I really open step back and look at everything, it was actually a pretty amazing thing I had going on. And from that point on, when I was able to understand that it's my reality. And the biggest recognition, the biggest realization I had in that moment was there was multiple people in the exact same situation as me, right? So we're in an office and everyone had the same thing happen, but I'm the guy leaving education. I'm the guy toxic. I'm the guy spread everything. There's other people that are just like, you know what? It sucks, but like, whatever, we're going on with life. And I started to think like, this is more about my perception. This is more about what I'm feeding it, not what and so I stepped out. I remember going to work that day and being like, man, looking at people in that office thinking, I work with some of my best friends. Like, I get to do what I do, love every single day. And I was like, man, I'm just going to start trying to, trying to change the realities that I have control over. And sometimes it's so bad, though. Like, sometimes there's a reality that you can't escape. And I think that in education, you have a really rough class or you don't get along with your admin. And, and there's a chapter in my book on viability. And basically, it's just you got to be willing to change. If you can't just sit in it and go, I'm just going to live this. Like I have a friend who, you know, whatever, got in, had a job and a new principal came in and wasn't really enjoying it. And he's just like, I'm not moving. And then, you know, seven years later, 
it changes the way he feels, right? It, he should have changed at that point because he knew the relationship wasn't there and moved on to something else. But as teachers, we, you know, sometimes we just don't like change, right? And it's the importance of change. Tony Robinson says progress is happiness. I think he's totally right. Well, and I think that, yeah, that's that change piece and that, that perception of, of a negative situation from a different vantage point is a positive situation. It's just a learning opportunity, but it's, you're exactly right. When you're living it, it's super hard <laughs> to see yeah. it that way. It's taking that deep breath and just pulling away from it. And like, you know, um, I would say in terms of, we talked about, I talked about routines a bit. I would say the number one change I've made, I write about this in the book is that I've adopted gratitude as a, as a number one strategy for me is, is something I need to be able to see that positive. And, um, when I was writing the book, I was trying all different things like gratitude walks and, and what works for me because I'm always on my phone and I'm tech savvy is not even tech savvy, but I, I feel like I'm always on technology is I found an app called happy feed. It's H A P P Y F E E D. And it every day at 10, 10, I get a notification saying, what are you grateful for? And I put three things in and I'll tell you when it had the greatest impact. My uh, mom ended up in the hospital and we got some devastating news. And I remember coming home that night, and I was a mess on the way home. And I get home, and I'm just sitting there, and my phone buzzes. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to. I just want to be in a shell right now. I just don't want to deal with this. And I look at my phone. And it says, what are you grateful for? And it works off streaks, too. Like, it has a streak. So I had, like, a 100-day streak going, right? And I was just like, all right, what, what is it? And then I look at the hospital, and I'm like, what about that nurse that made my mom laugh? What about, like, and I started looking at the lady in the parking lot who, like, gave me her ticket so I didn't have to pay parking. And then what I realized is, and through that whole period, was that there was still good in every day. Although emotionally I was struggling so hard just to get through each day, there was, there was still good in the world. And I believe in neuroplasticity of retraining your brain. So for me, gr the gratitude app makes it simple. I think... I finished my 280th day in a row. Like I haven't done anything 280 days in a row. And uh, I give it to people, my superintendent, who's amazing. I, I show, I, I, I did it at some conference for them. And uh, she texted me a while ago at my hundredth day in a row. And, and I, people do this. And I find like when they start it, they, they, it's crazy. There's a guy, I was talking to the, the guy who created happy feet. He's like, this guy's in the thousand. And like, what do you do every day for a thousand days other than drink beer? <laughs> yeah so like for me that that's the thing is is but my book's not about like what worked for me it's like my book's about all these things that work for other people pick what you want it's there's no equation to this there's no i'm not the guy that's going to tell you what to do to be happy i'm going to expose you to all different ideas and you try them if they work they work hopefully keep them as part of your habits and routines right I'm downloading this happy feed right now. I'm going to be setting up an account for this because I think I that is that's what I'm looking at. My absolutely phone right brilliant. So well, I found it writing the chapter. I was writing a chapter and I was on, I was doing a gratitude journal and I was like searching gratitude journal ideas. And then it said gratitude app. And I was like, what's this? And then I found two and I was like, and then I found, and the third one I found was happy feed. And I'm like, so simple, so easy. You can put pictures in it. So, like, when you look at my happy feed, I figured it out. In a year, if you just do the three, you'll have 1,095 acts of gratitude that you had that year. And then it's got this wicked feature in it that there's a little jar. It looks like a candy jar in the corner. When I'm really struggling, I touch that. It throws me random days. It says on, like, November 17th, you, you felt this. Like, so your podcast will make my gratitude app. So somewhere down the line, maybe a year from now, I'll be struggling and I'll hit this and it will say, you know, doing the beer edu podcast was so much fun. And I, and you know what I love about it is it's not social media. It's, it's not going to everybody. I love it because it's so private. It's so just my thoughts. I'm not trying to say something to get likes or tweets or retweets. I'm just saying it because it's what I truly feel in that moment. And I find myself all the time scrolling through this feed. It, it's unbelievable. And I think that's the thing is like, there's, there's a thing is like one decision a teacher makes is add that two minute routine into their day at the end of every day. Hopefully it works for them. Right. And I think it's, uh, and I just, my whole days look like that. Like I just wake up and I have, I have routines I just do all day. And then, you know what, I, 
it's pretty hard to shake me. And if I do get shaken, and I think you're right, there's going to be times where I'm going to have horrible days. But if those horrible days keep compiling, I now know that it, I need to change what I'm doing. Simple as that. I need to find something different that I'm doing and, and not wait for something to change. No, like I said, I, I downloaded this thing, and as soon as we're done here, I'm going to set my account up and, and get going with this thing because this is I love absolutely that I can see you download it. <laughs> just brilliant. So, but well, and over the course of this conversation, too, I, I started, I was trying to think of different places in my life where gratitude and recognition is already there, but maybe I'm just not seeing it, or maybe I'm taking it for granted. And two specific things came up in my mind with, um, with the school in which I work. And we have, um, one of them is, uh, called salutes where teachers can notify the principal of something that they recognize somebody else doing. And then our, at our monthly staff meeting, then the principal reads off these salutes that they got over the course of the previous few weeks. And then there's always a certificate that uh, comes with it where, you know, Thank you so much for going out of your way to do. I can't remember exactly what it, what the certificate says, but where we have several people over the course of these meetings that receive these salutes. And again, it's not coming just from the leader. It's not the principal that's issuing these salutes. It's teachers that are doing it or or it's um, the paraprofessionals or whoever it may be. They're the ones that are telling the principal, hey, can you give some recognition to this person at our next staff meeting? So that was one of them. Then the other one is we have a teacher, one of our English teachers also works with the local newspaper and, and does a little freelance writing for the local newspaper. And every Saturday they have uh, a piece in the local newspaper and gets posted online about some of the stuff that's going on in our school and whatnot. It might be like, I, I remember one of them a few weeks ago was about uh, Senior Sunrise and how the seniors, they got up super early to go celebrate the fact that it's their senior year and then recognize the seniors. And then just cool things that are going at the school, he writes these stories that get posted in the local paper every Saturday morning. And I and both of those things are something that I, I realized that they were recognition pieces, but I guess I kind of took them for granted that... And I haven't been there very long. This is only my second year in the town and in the district and everything. But it's just something that is just so entrenched in the fabric of the community that I just kind of took it for granted. And now after this conversation, I realize what exactly both of those things are trying to do. And then I also need to be better about maybe informing the principal every now and then of something I recognize somebody doing as well so they can get that recognition. Yeah, it's so important, right? Like, and so what the my book is is like you know that salute kind of thing you you just talked about is what I've done is I've 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 broken it all up and said here's ideas that you could try within the school. So my 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 I, I am not qualified to write a book on how to be happy, but what I am qualified to do is I'm an educator, and the books on happiness and education or happiness, sorry, they're just generically like my book is like what. It, within the walls of those classrooms, what can you do every day? So like the idea of salutes or, or coming up with these different um, things that you could do while you're in school. So it's almost like uh, it's almost like I've taken all of the research and all the reading and all these positive psychology books and said, now, as an educator, this is how you can transform your life within your job. And so it's super specific. And like I actually I have a board in front of me where I have all my ideas. I just added salutes to it. So I hope you don't mind. I'm in the last phase of my editing, so I might even I like that one, so I might even add that to um, to the ideas, right? Of because it's just a series of ideas of things they could try to see if it works. So that's awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's super. It's easy for us to say, "Hey, you should be more happy. You should do the." But it's like I think people look for well, what can I do? Like the app that you just talked about. I was like, "Oh, that is so simple. That's what I need. I need yeah. that thing at this moment." And the permission yeah. piece that you mentioned earlier about just getting permission from somebody to be happy and to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the, the one that we haven't really touched upon is, is like when the, the students chapter is about like reconnecting to why you teach, right? Like, you know, we run this leadership thing and when we do at the end of it, we have teachers step up and say like, what was the most impactful part of this? And I would say like, 30% of them with tears in their eyes will talk about how they 
were disconnected from why they became a teacher. The ones that were really struggling were like, I just lost course. And, you know, like like that Simon Sinek's talk is so well thought of or, or so well many views or whatever. But, right. you know, I think in education, if we if we apply that to education, I think over time we become so what focused. What are we teaching? What technology are we using? What standards are we hitting? What blah, blah, blah. And you go through all the what's and you become about what you do. You become a, what, like, what do you, like, you know, it's not about like, what do you do for a living? And you say like, well, I teach grade four math and I teach grade seven on rotary, whatever you say. It's like, you need to, in your head, think, why am I teaching? Why am I still teaching? I'm teaching because I love kids. I'm teaching because I want to have an impact in the world. And I think teachers need to create um, impact statements and, and, and develop, understand like, what is the why of coming to work every day? And then, and focus on that. And because Simon says, the golden rule is that it's inside out. You go from why you're doing what you do to how you do it to what it is you're doing. The what is right. just a, a byproduct of like all these great things that you have and are driven by inside. But you see teachers, when you talk to them about this, they will tell you they've lost track of that why. And then when they, they find it, they well up with tears. Can't even talk about it. And then eventually that's – I find that is the number one thing that we do in this thing to get teachers back online back and happy and loving their jobs again. Well, Rob, it's been great having you here. And um, I know there's plenty of people out there that are going to want to connect with you now. So how can listeners connect with you on social media? Well, right now I'm just on Twitter. I'm just new to this game. So like I'm uh, at Rob Dunlop, E-D-U. So R-O-B-D-U-N-L-O-P-E-D-U. And I'm working on my website right now, and my book will be coming out early 2020 with Edumatch. It's called Strive for Happiness in Education. But as of now, I'll just be putting things on Twitter, and then when the website comes out, we'll be putting that. I also I'm working on a website called Motivated U or Motivate Edu, um, and it's I'm gonna you know we talked a bit about you know how you talked about that newspaper with that inspiring story. I'm creating a website where it's all the great things that are happening and inspirational videos, and and I'm gonna make a space that teachers can just go to to feel good and then eventually i see myself like blogging out of it and and sharing stories of the great things that are happening in education i i, I feel like media is is really toxic I, I i think they it's they 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 bank off this negative bias that humans want to see the negative and you know i i i, I want to go the other way and i want educators who are struggling or want to maintain their happiness and love of education to come into this website and be like, man, I'm leaving here feeling good. So that's my project. I'm, I'll be working on the next couple months. Yeah. It's good to see that you're trying to put a little more positivity out there because I mean, here in the United States, you know, politics definitely feeds the negative news cycle. And um, while we don't see nearly as much of Canadian politics, I mean, we, we even saw a little bit of that with the recent elections in Canada and how divided Canada has become over the past few years as well. So it's it's refreshing to see that you're trying to put a little bit more positivity out there. Yeah, we're yeah, definitely sure. feeling it in Ontario right now. It's definitely mm -hmm. the climate's changed substantially over the last election provincially. So, But it's about, like I said earlier, it's about peaks and valleys, buddy. It's about what are we going to learn in this valley and how are we going to get back to those peaks? Absolutely. No, oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. It, wow. We can talk for hours about this. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we will. Come to Niagara. I'll take you on a little I'm, tour of I'm wineries I'm super excited and for the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Yeah, I'm jacked about it. I, like, I never in my life I thought I would write a book. Like, never, ever. And uh, but I feel like I'm not even writing it, if that makes any sense to you. I feel like it's being written through me for some reason. I sit at my computer, and I don't even know how it happens. And then I read it back, and I'm like, did I just write that? Like, how did this happen? Like, from a guy who... But in saying that, I've, I've in the last few years, I've read 50, 60 books. I, I listen to audio books everywhere I drive. I'm, I'm constantly immersed myself in this. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where it's coming from. And uh, I just hope people enjoy it. And I, you know, more than anything, I hope people are able to, you know, find more happiness in the profession. I, I really find it sad when you see someone who just doesn't like their job anymore, and not just in education. I just think it's too much time and and we only get one of these lives, you know, to to go out there. And, you know, it's I, I just really find it sad when people, teachers don't love their jobs. So I'm just hoping that teachers read this and somehow um, it has the same impact of, on them as it's had on me over the last four years. 
for sure. So, well, listeners, we want you to keep this conversation going because like Ben said, we could talk about this for hours. So help us out with that. Ben, how can listeners keep this conversation going with us? Yeah, for sure. You you know, hit us up on Twitter. You can tweet us at the hashtag BeerEDUPod. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at BeerEDUPod. Um, and then also you can always just email us at BeerEDUPodcast at gmail.com. Um, leave a message on our Anchor app. You can leave a voice message. Um, just any of those ways. We'd love to have this conversation going. I'm super excited about this. We're um, my other project with the Teach NV Chat, um, my friend Sarah Holm, we're actually doing a three-part series on teacher retention and, and keeping teachers in the profession. This is exactly what we're talking about. So I'm super excited. You know, this is this will be a topic of discussion, I think, uh, for us quite a bit. Absolutely. So, and just like Rob, we would love to have you come on the show and share your passions as well. Visit our website, beeredupodcast.com. Click on the contact and subscription info link, and we have a guest form there. Fill that out. Tell us what you're passionate about, and we're going to get you on the show so you can share your passions. Oh, man, I look forward to that. This has been a blast, guys. I've been looking forward to this all week. So, yeah, <laughs> what a, you guys are so good at what you do. I'm telling you, man. I listened, I listened to them, it. and I was like, one of you guys sounds like Joe Rogan. And I'm like, <laughs> this thing is so good. And I was like, so, wow. yeah, I, I, I pumped myself up by listening to you all week. And uh, I listened to the one with Sarah Thomas and a couple others, so. Yeah, you guys are you guys are doing great things. So yeah, keep it going. And I just love how off the cuff it is. There's no there's no setup to this. It's just put a headset on and talk. It's the best. Man, wait, wow. You know, speaking of gratitude, wow, we we appreciate that. So thank Joe you Rogan, very much. Whoa. Yeah, that's a that's, that's a lofty uh, comparison right there. Thank you very much. <laughs> so. No well, uh, stick watch. around for a second, Rob, because uh, the best part of the show, well, I don't know after what you just told us. I don't know if this would be the best part, but um, our learning segment is uh, upon us now. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah, so um, we always do our segment, Learn About Beer. And this week, even though this was not something that popped up in any of our beers that we were drinking today, it's something, Ben, you and I have been talking about this style a little bit here lately, and yeah. it's becoming kind of a niche thing, I think, that, and that kind of inspired me. To, to look into this one a little deeper. Well, yeah. And I, I, I'm super interested about this because I, I'm, I'm trying to think, I think I've had one, but, but it is, it is totally a niche. So that is the milkshake IPA. So Kyle, what, tell us what's the difference between a milkshake IPA and maybe a milk stout. So, okay. So way back in episode 13, we talked about what a milk stout was and how you take a stout and then they add lactose sugar into the the brew mm -hmm. process and what that does is not only does it give the yeast something else to munch on to up up to amp up that abv a little bit but what it ends up giving is like a smooth and a, a creamier mouthfeel on a stout mm -hmm. which is usually already pretty smooth to begin with so it just it makes it even smoother and you know one of my personal favorites is another local reno brewery great basins outlaw milk stout just you know one of the best beers that is in our area but Oh, now yeah. you've got this whole milkshake IPA movement that is really starting to take off a little bit as well. So, and really what this is, it, it's a very similar concept where the milkshake IPA, like the milk stout, it's just another version, but having that lactose added into it. And they even take it a little bit further and milkshake IPAs can be considered a sub-style of the New England IPA, which is another one that really in the last couple of years has really taken off those hazy IPAs. So, oh, yeah. so what this does is just like with the milk stout, that lactose, it gives the IPA a creamier mouthfeel and, and it's a little bit smoother. And while they, they're not amped up with the hops usually with that, with that IBU. And then what they'll often do as well is they'll add fruit, they'll add different spices and other adjuncts like vanilla to it as well. And, you 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 end up getting a beer that looks and then almost tastes like a milkshake when it's all said and done. So so the IBUs are lower though, right? Yeah, usually. So like while like we typically you and I especially like our IPAs to be like in the sixty or above on the yeah, IBU. For like sure. like the higher the IBU, the better. And uh, we've even had some near triple digit IBU beers on the show before. But these ones are very low typically on the IBU, which um. I almost question whether they should be considered IPAs, in my opinion, because of that. Because, you know, India Pale Ales, right. the original one, they 
amped up the IBUs on them, and it was more of a preservative to keep the beer fresh on the six-month trip between England and India and whatnot. But um, I don't know. So I, I'm not the expert on this, so I my opinion, I guess, really doesn't matter. But um, but it's a very new style. This is something right. that really, when I was doing my research, it only goes back to like 2015. So these are less than five years old. And again, they're not like super popular, and a lot of brewers are starting to do them. Um, and one of our favorites on the show, Lead Dog, they, they yep. do these quite a bit. Usually, you go to their tap room, they've usually got at least one on tap. And I've had two of them on the show that I can think of right off the bat. And that was a while back. I had the Oranges Are Orange double right. IPA, and then I had the uh, Pineapple Passion double IPA a while back as well. So, I, Yeah, I, I think I have, I think, in my, my lovely collection of 50 beers, which is slowly dwindling. I will tell you, I will own that I've drank, you know, my, my staff gave me for my 50th birthday, they gave me 50 different beers. I mean, they're pretty amazing. So I'm pretty sure I got like two in there. I got to go try them now. Yeah. So, but again, there, it's not a style that I'm particularly, I mean, I don't want to use the word fond because I, I definitely right. enjoy them, but they're not beers that where I'm going to go buy a six pack of these and then sit and watch a football or hockey game and put down the entire six pack. It's just, no, I, it's yeah, not anything it, like that. It, I think it's kind of, a, I would put this in the same class as the peanut butter stout. I For mean, sure. I like them. I'll drink one, maybe. It's not like I have, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's going to be one that I I, I have and, and I sample. And then, you know, later on, a few days later, maybe I have another one. Well, and it's another style, too, that I think is a great gateway beer for those that really aren't into the craft beer scene. Or like with my wife, she's not a huge fan of IPAs, but I can give her one of these and tell her, oh, this is an IPA. And she'll wrinkle her nose and be like, I'm probably not going to like this. But then turns out she does because it's it's a little bit softer when it comes to the IPA. And and actually with that oranges or orange milkshake IPA from Lead Dog. That's one of her right. favorite beers, and we haven't been able to get it because they only brew it every so often, and then usually you can only get it on tap at the brewery. They don't can this one. So although I was at my local big box the other day, and they had an entire shelf of just lead dog beer, and I scoured that thing for five minutes, yep. hoping there was oranges and orange, but it was not there. Oh, well, there we go. So that is the Milkshake IPA. So, not- yeah. Yeah, not something I've ever had. So yeah. definitely something I'm going to look for. Yeah, and then and then Rob, you were talking earlier about the strawberry rhubarb beer that your brewery is making. Is that is that a milkshake IPA or is that just a standard beer with strawberries and rhubarb? I have no idea, man. I just drink them. But uh, <laughs> uh, it looks cloudy, like it's really cloudy looking. So I think it's. I don't I have no idea. It, the only way you're going to find out is you come to Niagara and we'll take you up there. there we and we'll, go. Uh, no, I'll twist my little- arm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, we'll go. They always have these seasonal beers, so and I know the owner, so we'll, we'll get you some real in depth information from him. Yeah, and now that I think about it, I just said twist my arm, and that's actually a really great tune by uh, the national band of Canada, the Tragically Hip. So yeah. I, I we'd have to play that while you're feeding me that beer, then 100% hip all night. Very nice. <laughs> so, well, Rob, once again, thank you so much for joining yes, us, thanks, and Rob. uh. What a great conversation, and we hope listeners uh, really took something out of this and will continue this with us. And, uh, Ben, we got episode 48 coming up next. Yes. So yep, 48 is coming. All right. So, um, Ben, thanks again always for being my partner in crime on this deal. Thank you, Kyle. And, listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. Right on.